morning. My name is Xiang Yang, and I serve as the International Student Programs Director. Today, I would like to introduce our Bible verse reader to you, Nia Minono. She is a senior studying TESO degree, and she will be reading the Bible verse in her heart language today in Bahasa, Indonesia. Yeremia 20, ayat 9. Tetapi apabila aku berpikir, aku tidak mau mengingat dia dan tidak mau mengucapkan firman lagi demi namanya. Maka dalam hatiku ada sesuatu yang seperti api yang menyala-nyala, berkurung dalam tulangku. Aku berlelah-lelah untuk menahannya, tetapi aku tak sanggup. This is the word of the Lord. Tell us what we want or we will beat you. You might as well tell us now and save yourself. Would we be in here a day, a year? Were our lives in danger? Even prison, the dreaded hell hole of Tehran was now our church. Our book is called Captive in Iran. It is our story of being unjustly sentenced to Ebin, one of the most notorious prisons in Iran, for our Christian faiths. Furthermore, it is about the violations of human rights and the story of many women who were the victims of the Iranian government. The day that uh, we got arrested, uh, I got a call from a stranger in the morning. Uh, he had uh, some uh, question about uh, my car documents and asked me to go to the police station. They took all my documents, handcuffed me, and they told me that uh, uh, you are under arrest of uh, being a Christian and evangelizing. We were afraid, for all we knew, this could be our last day on earth. We held hands and prayed to the Lord to calm our hearts. Our greatest fear was that we would break and say things out of His will. We prayed for strength. We wanted our captors to see we were confident and brave. If we are tortured, give us the power to stand fast in our faith. There are people in prison that, that nobody can hear their voices and they need our help and we promised some of our friends in prison to be a voice for them. We must be responsible for those who are in persecution and participate in their uh, suffering. We, we are sure that God had a plan for many women there. And as we were talking to them and you know, we praying for them, we, we, we could see the changes in their lives and it was so encouraging for us and it was a great impact in our lives. Welcome to our campus and to our community. We're so thankful that you took the time to be here with us and to share a little bit of your story. Uh, the theme for this week, we've been talking about hearts of fire um, and what it looks like when people just can't contain uh, their passion and to, they can't stop themselves from telling people and showing people about the love of God. Um, and in your book, which is wonderful, um, you talk a lot about this fire in yourselves and this passion. Um, and it actually started with 
kind of a call to share that passion in your home country. So can we start by maybe having you tell us a little bit about your evangelistic work in Tehran before you were arrested? Yeah, uh, first of all, I would like to thank uh, the university for inviting us and giving us this uh, great opportunity to share our story with you. Uh, hopefully you are not tired. We know that uh, you're close to uh, the finals. We are students uh, too, and we understand you. Uh, our prayers is that Holy Spirit speak to your hearts uh, through our story. Uh, actually, it was uh, 2005 that um, uh, I traveled to Turkey for studying theology courses because in Iran, uh, it was impossible. Uh, we can't do such a thing, and uh, that's why I had to travel to Turkey. And uh, in 2005, in Turkey, I met uh, Mariam for the first time, and uh, we finished our courses in Turkey, and then we decided to return to Iran uh, because uh, we had the same passion for our country. And even though we knew that how much is dangerous to come back to um, return to Iran and uh, serve the Lord, but uh, we had so much passion, we experienced Jesus in uh, uh, our lives, we don't have enough time to share um, our testimony that how we converted to Christianity. If you are interested, you can uh, read the whole uh, story in the book. Um, but we both had different stories that how we met Jesus, uh, we saw many miracles, and he really changed our life, and we were in love with Jesus. That's why we wanted to share uh, this with our people. Uh, when we returned, we didn't know um, what to do, and we didn't have any idea what should we do, how we can serve the Lord um, in Iran, especially as a woman, uh, is much more difficult because women in Iran uh, are not as free as men. So uh, we prayed and we asked God to, gave us, to give us a vision, an idea, and um, I remember one day I was reading a uh, Bible, and God spoke to me through Bible. He showed me that uh, Iran is like a big land, that there is no seed in this land. And he told me, uh, first you need uh, planted some seeds, then I will grow all these seeds by Holy Spirit. Also, Mariam had a dream, and we became sure that uh, we need to evangelize Iranian people by distributing Bibles, because in Iran, um, there is only one uh, distorted and false uh, version of Bible, which called Barnabas Bible, and the government usually sell this Bible in most of the bookstores in Iran. And in that Bible, it says, after Jesus Muhammad uh, will come, Jesus was a prophet, which is not true. Um, and we prayed, uh, at that time we didn't have any Bible with us, and we prayed, we uh, talked to our pastor, um, he was in London, and we asked him to send thousands of New Testaments to Iran. Uh, it wasn't easy for them to provide all those New Testaments because they had to find an illegal way to smuggle uh, all those New Testaments. Again, we were praying for a few months, and praise God, after a few months, uh, they could provide uh, those New Testaments, they uh, transferred them to Iran, uh, and we received them, and we started our first mission in Tehran, the capital of Iran. Uh, we bought a map, and we put it on the wall, and we started from the north of Tehran to the south. Uh, we decided to cover each area in Tehran, and usually at night, we carried uh, about one, uh, 140 New Testaments in our backpack and visited one area in Tehran and uh, put them in the mailboxes. Um, sometimes we had to go to those areas several times because it was a big area and to cover in order to cover that area. And sometimes it was during winters. Um, winters in Iran, we have lots of snow, about half meter, and we had to walk through uh, 
the snow to, to distribute those uh, New Testaments. Um, and during that time, um, praise God, nothing happened to us. Uh, we didn't talk. When we were doing that mission, we didn't talk to anybody because we didn't want to get, you know, attraction by people, and we just put them in the mailboxes. And praise God, after almost three years, we could distribute 20,000 New Testaments in each part of Tehran, and nothing happened to us. We saw many miracles. There are some stories in the book you can read how God really saved us and show his miracles to us. Uh, it was amazing because uh, we believe that, you know, God really strengthened our faith uh, by showing those miracles. And uh, that's why I believe that um, when we trust God, when we ask him to use us as a tool, we should know that it's all about him. It's not about us. It doesn't matter that we are just one person. It doesn't matter that we are just two girls. God can use us and he can do amazing and impossible things through each of us when we trust him and ask him to use us. And it was interesting that um, uh, after that, we heard from some of our friends that uh, the and some people announced it in the parliament in Iran. Uh, they were angry about that. They, um, they understood that um, you know, people distributing Bibles and they were think thinking it's a big Christian group. Uh, and um, it was interesting that they didn't know it's not a big Christian group. It's just two girls with two backpacks. And uh, we're really happy about that. And God really saved us. Even uh, we got arrested, they didn't know about this. And God really protected us at that time. I'm sure today they know because they read the book. And maybe they are disappointed by <laughs> releasing us. But praise God for his miracles. And after that, we started um, um, some house churches. Um, uh, one of them was among prostitutes. And the other one was among young people. And it's different stories that it was very difficult to work, uh, especially with prostitutes in Iran, because in Iran is different. And uh, usually widows do prostitution because of, uh, because in order to support themselves. And um, when we talked to them, they told us it's, it's in Quran, it's based on Quran, because in Quran, uh, Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, had four wives, legal wives, and many temporary marriage. That's why mullahs in Iran encourage women to do that. Um, in, and they do uh, a contract for women. Um, we believe it's for their benefits. And praise God, God really blessed our church. And we started with two prostitutes. And at the end, we were working with 40 uh, prostitutes. And um, uh, also, every day, we were evangelizing people whenever we went for shopping, doing our chores, eating at restaurants. Uh, we always uh, had some New Testaments in our purse. And we were talking to, to them and handing a Bible as a gift. And uh, most of Iranian people are very receptive because um, they are tired of these Islamic rule and rules. And um, as soon as we talk to them, they, they could share you know, their stories that for months they were, they were praying and uh, to find the truth. And uh, it was amazing. We have many stories, amazing stories that how God um, you know, worked through the, those people. And because of all these activities are, as you know, are illegal because no one is in, in Iran are allowed to promote any religion except Islam. That's why some people had found about some of our activities and they uh, reported about us and they arrested us in 2009. Yeah, and as you said, you'd been doing incredible work for years and then something shifted. Can you um, tell us a little bit about the day that you were arrested? Um, yes, it was in March 2009. Uh, one day early in the morning, Marzi received a phone call from a stranger. He had some questions about our car document 
and ask her to go to the police station. I remember after that phone call, we were both suspicious because um, for months we knew that something bad would happen. We always prayed, and, but we didn't know it was a prison experience. And I remember that day, Marzia went to the police station. I had a doctor's appointment. Uh, when I came back home, it was in the afternoon, and Marzia wasn't home yet. And I started to begin, you know, to begin worry about her, and I started praying for her. Suddenly, I heard the sound of her with a few others behind the door. And when I looked through the people, I saw they're standing there with three guards. There were two men, two young men, and one young woman. And um, they were knocking, and they were asking me to open the door. Uh, when I opened the door, they, they entered, they ransacked everywhere. They took both of us with all our belongings, like Bibles, Jesus movie, movies, um, everything that was related to Christianity. And they transferred us to the security police. Um, we were in the police station for the whole first day. Um, it was, a, it was a horrible experience because, you know, um, we haven't had such an experience in our lives. I remember the first day we were so pale, we couldn't even speak, we couldn't open our mouth. Our mouth was so dry, we were so scared. And always we tell people that, you know, sometimes people tell us, you're heroes, you're so courageous, but we always tell them that it's not, you know, we are just two human beings with all our weaknesses. And I remember it was very scary, that experience. Uh, when they attacked our apartment, they took us to the police station. And the first day, they um, transferred us to a very dark and dirty cell in the basement. Um, we had to stay there, and um, our first interrogator um, threatened us to physical torture. He told us that you must give us all the information about your friends, your activities, um, the names of those people who come to your house churches, otherwise we will beat you until you vomit blood. Um, I remember at that moment uh, when he left us in that um, dark basement, in that dark cell, uh, we just, we didn't know what to do. We just hugged each other, we said goodbye uh, to each other because we thought it was our last day on earth. And, um, and even we couldn't pray in Farsi, our own language, because when you're scared and you're in shock, you don't know what to do. And you don't even know how to pray. And I remember we just started praying in tongues and um, we really um, praise God for this precious gift because in those moments we could feel how the Holy Spirit, uh, Holy Spirit was strengthening us and praying on our behalf. I remember we prayed for like one or two hours and uh, suddenly we felt the presence of God and we were so, we could see that how Holy Spirit was strengthening us and giving us power to stand that difficult condition. Um, that first day, we had um, long hours of interrogation by our first interrogator, and um, it was in the midnight that they transferred us to another detention, which was, again, a horrible place. It was in the basement, and I remember when we entered that, that second detention, there was a guard, um, and he um, told us that just, you know, we couldn't see anywhere. We could just see some open eyes. There were other prisoners in that detention. They were staring at us, but we couldn't see their faces. Um, and the guard who was um, leading us to ourselves just told us just some, grab some blankets and sleep somewhere. We had to sleep on freezing and filthy floor with no carpet. And when we found those blankets, all of them were wet, strongly smelling of urine. Uh, and later we realized that there were many addicted, homeless, and prostitutes in that detention. And um, the guards would lock the doors from 8 at night until early hours in the morning, and prisoners could not even use the bathrooms. That's why most of the blankets were wet. Um, but when we, it, it was in winter and it was freezing, in, in, you know, in Iran it's really cold, and we had to use those blankets in order to keep ourselves warm. 
Um, I can say about that detention, for the first um, few days, we didn't have anything to eat or drink. We couldn't see the light. And physically, we were under so much pressure. Um, we didn't want to be in that place. We were praying for our release. But um, after a while, uh, when um, you know, we realized that God had a plan for putting us in that dark place, because we could see that there were so many opportunities for us to talk to other women and to share the gospel with them. Um, you know, before Marzia shared, we had a house church for prostitutes. But in that detention, every day they would bring many, many prostitutes. And we had this opportunity. We, we didn't have to go and look for them. They were coming to us. And we had this opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. Uh, it was like having a little house church in that detention. Every day we could gather with all those women. We could share the gospel with them. We could pray for them. And it was so encouraging to see that, um, you know, they were, they were so touched by the message of salvation and just by hearing about the forgiveness because at, at first they couldn't believe that God loves them and God forgives their sins. And um, after a while, they started praying loudly. They would give their hearts to Jesus. They would pray with us. Uh, I believe um, after 14 days being in that first detention, we could share the gospel with about um, 70 to 80 women, and it was really amazing. Yes, <laughs> That's wonderful, yeah. And you said, I mean, these detention centers had become your church. That's so beautiful. So after a couple of days there, you were transferred to Evan Prison, which you referred to in the video as notorious. Um, what was your experience like in Evan Prison? Yes, they transferred us uh, in Evan Prison in charges of uh, apostasy, blasphemy, anti-government, and promoting Christianity. Uh, I can say Evan Prison is notorious for arresting, raping, torturing, and executing of many innocent people. On the first day that we entered Evan Prison, we were surprised because we could see there are many um, in, um, political prisoners there. There were, uh, you know, students, lawyers, journalists, and uh, we were surprised by seeing that. Um, and there were other prisoners, uh, like criminals, um, addicted people, murder, and all these prisoners had to live together in one place. Uh, in Evin Prison, um, there is another building uh, which called 209. It's a security building. Um, they usually send political prisoners in that building for uh, torturing and interrogation. Uh, they transferred us in uh, that building, and we were there for 40 days. There are many small solitary cells in that building, and sometimes they put one person in those small cells, sometimes uh, two or three. Uh, you can't move a lot because it's very uh, small. You can't walk in those cells. And um, once a week, we had a very heavy interrogation by two interrogators, and uh, most of the time, uh, we were, you know, blindfolded and sitting on a metal chair for long hours, about uh, seven, eight hours, and they put pressure on us to deny our faith in Jesus. They told us, um, you made the wrong decision, and you should change your mind, and you should deny your faith, otherwise you would face uh, execution by hanging. And they threaten, you know, our lives. They threaten the lives of our families. Um, the only voice that we could hear in that building was the sounds of other prisoners who were beating and torturing every day. It was like a mental torture for us uh, because every day we expect them to come to our cell and take us for torturing. Um, also, after 14 days, um, they transfer us to the public uh, ward. And that place was awful, too. And um, um, for... Almost seven, eight months, uh, we both were sick, especially me. I was so sick, and we were suffering from some um, physical problems. And um, 
there were small clinic in that prison and there were doctors who were very prejudiced Muslims and uh, as soon as they could hear that um, our charge was Christianity, uh, they, they would refuse to give us the medicine. And um, even in prison, we were suffer, you know, uh, we were in another prison, inside the prison. And the horrible things that we experienced in uh, Evin prison was the execution of other prisoners. That was horrible experience. We never experienced such a things. And it was like a shock for us because, um, for example, one day they came to a cell, took one prisoners, and they put them in solitary cell. And the day after that, we would hear that they executed them. And they were our friends. They were um, you know, living with us every day. They were eating with us. And it was like a shock for all prisoners. Um, and sometimes we couldn't do anything and we just stared at each other, but we had no power to speak. They also executed one of our best friends. She was um, a political prisoner and she was uh, 28 years old. And her execution was very painful for both of us. It was like a sword in our hearts and still after years, uh, it's very difficult to remember um, her execution, what they did to her. They tortured her so much. Um, but praise God, as Mariam shared, again in Evin Prison, we had many great opportunities to share the message of salvation with many prisoners. We tried to show them how, uh, who Jesus is, what uh, his teachings are by our behaviors rather than our words, by respecting them um, rather than criticizing them, by loving them. Uh, because um, the first few months there were some prisoners uh, that they were Muslim, prejudiced Muslim, and they, uh, they called us dirty Christian uh, for months. And, but we try to respect them, we try to love them. Uh, after a few, months, uh, a few months, God really changed that prison for us because they could see many miracles. There are many stories in the book uh, you can read that how uh, Jesus made lots of you know, miracles through our prayers uh, among prisoners. And that's why they came to us. They told us that um, we can see there is a difference uh, between your faiths and our faiths. Every day we are praying namaz, um, uh, Islamic prayer, but God doesn't answer to our prayer. But we can see as soon as you pray, God do a miracle. That's why, you know, they apologize. Um, and there were also some guards. They came to us. They apologized because of their behaviors, because they could hear from uh, prisoners that um, Jesus made miracles among them. That's why they were curious to know um, uh, what is our faith, what, uh, who is Jesus. And that, that was amazing. And that's why we believe that we were more free inside the prison rather than outside the prison because we could talk to anybody. Nobody could stop us. I remember one day one of my interrogators, he, he was so angry and he told me, he shouted at me and told me that uh, I, I heard that you are talking to prisoners about Jesus here. You should shut your mouth here and not talk about him. You are brainwashing uh, people. And I told him, I'm so sorry. Um, I believe it is, it is not our fault. It's your fault because you arrested us. You put us in this prison. And pr prisoners are curious and they ask us, uh, what is your charge? So we have to explain to them why we are here. So it's not our problem. And if we, we could see that, you know, they couldn't do anything. We already were in that prison and they were desperate how to stop us and they couldn't do that. That's why we, we believe that we were more free inside the prison uh, rather than outside the prison. And also uh, we believe that, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Evin prison really became our church because um, you know, before we had a different idea about church, that church is just a nice building we can attend, we can worship God. 
But later we realized that this is not true. Everywhere can be a church, uh, even a dark and brutal place like Evin Prison. That is so beautiful. Um, and so you had been living that message for months, constantly under pressure um, to recant, to renounce your faith um, with the threat of execution, the threat of beating, your friends um, being executed. Why did you not just renounce your faith? If you had, they would have released you. You know, we were in prison for almost nine months, and um, I believe during those nine months, we had about 10 um, trials. We had to go to the court for probably more than 10 times, and every time um, the judges, interrogators, tried to threaten us to execution by hanging, and we would hear these words day over day after day, and it, was, it wasn't easy. You know, we are just um, sharing our stories, sharing what happened to us during those nine months in, in less than an hour. We can't even describe, you know, how hard that condition was, and I, I can say it wasn't easy. It was so scary. It was, it was really hard physically, mentally. We have lost friends um, during those um, nine months. Um, it was just God's power that giving us the strength to stand those difficulties. And this morning, we didn't have enough time to share our testimonies, how we converted to Christianity. But both of us really experienced the love of Jesus in our lives. We both have met Jesus, and we have seen many miracles in our lives. We are both in love with Jesus. We always tell people that we are not religious people, but we are in love with him. We are in love with Jesus because we have experienced him in our lives. That's why um, I believe that the most important um, thing that really helped us to stand on our faith during those nine months was that personal relationship that we had with Jesus Christ and that personal experience that we had with him. And also in the Bible, Jesus himself says, um, if you wish to follow me, you must pick up your own cross and follow me every day. And, uh, you know, when, you re when we read these, uh, these verses, it's, it's easy to read them, but um, acting, you know, the, based on these verses, it's really hard. And today we give all the glory to Jesus because uh, we believe it wasn't us. Um, you know, without his presence, we couldn't stand even one day in that prison. It was all about him. He was giving us the power. He was um, encouraging us and he was sending us many prisoners. And, you know, we, we had these opportunities to talk to them. It was encouraging for us. Um, and also I remember in prison, we could remember verses in the Bible. For example, when Jesus says, you know, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Um, the servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. These words and these, re you know, remembering these verses, it was really encouraging for us. And as I mentioned, um, it, it was all about God. It wasn't about us. And uh, today we give all the glory to him. He was the one, he was the reason that we could stand on our faith during those nine months. Praise God that we have, yes, again. Yeah. Um. So you, you rested on him. You said it was a nine-month journey of just him sustaining you day in and day out. And you stayed strong and you never renounced your faith. So what changed? How were you released? It was kind of a miraculous situation. Tell us about that. Uh, for the first few months, we didn't have any connection uh, with the world outside, and um, we couldn't call our families and let them know that we are here, we are there, and um, we, we couldn't have a lawyer, and we thought that we completely forgotten by the world outside, but after a few months when uh, our sisters, um, we, we could call our sisters, and they, uh, through them, we heard that many Christians from uh, different parts of the world are uh, praying for us and supporting us, and that was so encouraging, and we 
uh, understood that we are not alone. Instead, we have a big Christian family that they are supporting us. Uh, that's why we believe that the first reason that um, we are alive today, we got released because of God's power and um, his um, grace. But the second reason uh, we believe that it's, it was because of Christian support. For example, when we, we were in prison, we heard from uh, some guards that we were receiving many letters. They told us that you are receiving um, about 50 letters um, every day and your letters uh, are more than uh, our official letters. They were angry about that and they could see that the world are supporting us and uh, at least, you know, they, they had to change their behavior with us. Uh, they couldn't torture us physically and um, uh, even though they didn't give us those letters to read. Uh, and also we heard uh, from some guards that uh, some judges forced them to open those letters to read uh, what people has written for us and it was interesting. Some people has written some verses of Bible and by reading those uh, verses again they became encouraged. They had some questions. For example, one of them came to me and told me what does it mean Jesus is our shepherd. And uh, we realized, you know, that God used those letters to send his message to the guards and to the judges and we praised that. And also, Iranian government were under so much pressure from some international uh, organization, um, and, uh, such as UN and Am Amnesty International, and many Christian organizations started advocating for us. And because of all this, and also Pope from Vatican sent a letter to the government and asked for our release. And because of all this pressure, uh, the government had to release us, unlike their desires, because of the politics they wanted to show that there is religious freedom in Iran, which is not true. And as you know, still there are many Christians who are suffering in Iran. Um, thank you for that, sharing that with us. That is so encouraging. It just shows the power of God through the community of the global church. And that is so wonderful. Um, since that time, you've moved to the States. Um, and you're here with us today. So what would be your message for American Christians and for our community here? You know, the main message um, we bring to uh, Christians in America, especially the younger generations like you, is that please don't take your freedom for granted because we believe the freedom that we have in this country is really a blessing and valuable gift from God. And we must appreciate this freedom. We don't have to wait to lose the freedom to, to value this, this precious gift. Uh, we come from a country where you can't even think for yourself. You can choose how to worship God. Um, you don't have, you know, basic rights. Um, maybe you don't know um, how much freedom you have in this country. And, um, you know, there are so many churches in this country. You have access to Bible. You don't have to be afraid to read the Bible in public or worship or, you know, raise your voice, sing worship songs. These are, uh, this might be, you know, this might seem simple to you, but um, they are really precious gifts and we must appreciate this freedom. Also, both of us believe that, you know, uh, we can just live our lives and enjoy our freedom. If we are living in a free country and we have freedom to worship God, uh, we can't just leave ourselves and forget about other people in other parts of the world because we are responsible for other people. As you know, there are so many people, so many Christians who are still under persecution. And it's not just our country, Iran. There are so many other countries like Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria. I'm sure you know the news. Um, you hear what is happening all around the world. 
And um, there are so many people who need our support. They need our voices. Um, we, Marzi and I are just two examples. Um, we are two voices. We need more voices. Um, we need more people to stand up and raise their voices for those who don't have any voice. And um, if, even if they speak, you know, they will end up in jail. They will kill them. And uh, we need to be their voice. We need to pray for them. We, we would like to encourage you to uh, pray for your brothers and sisters. If you don't know their names, um, you can just pray for regions like what you did this morning. Or if you want to be specific, you can go to many Christian websites, find the names, and start praying for, them, uh, for, the, for your brothers and sisters. And also there are some practical ways um, you can get involved, like um, writing letters and sending them to prisoners. Marzi mentioned when we were in prison, we were receiving those letters. And those letters really helped us. Um, because of those letters, government um, couldn't torture us physically, at least. And it was a huge help. And, um, and by sending those letters, you are sending a message to those prisoners that they are not alone. And you are their families. And you know um, their condition. And um, we can talk to our politicians. We can uh, put pressure on them and ask them to, to put pressure on governments like Iran um, in order to change their policies toward minorities, toward Christians. Um, there are so many ways that we can get involved and help. Uh, we believe it doesn't matter um, what we do, but we have to be responsible. We have to do something. If we are Christians, and if we, uh, if we believe we are part of um, Jesus' body and um, know what is going on in other parts of the world and know the condition of our brothers and sisters, and if we don't do anything about it, there is something wrong with our faith. And we have to pray and ask God to give us passion because... Um, you know, as Bible says, we are all parts of one body. If one part suffer, every part should, should suffer. And we never know, you know, someday um, persecution may come to this country and we might need help and support from other parts of the world. So we need to just be alert and uh, we need to be responsible for our brothers and sisters and just pray. Um, all we ask you today is just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you how you can get involved. Because we have different gifts, we have different talents, uh, and I'm sure Holy Spirit will show you how you can support your brothers and sisters. Thank you so much. No, thank you so much to both of you. Um, a few more things. Um, thank you for taking the time. Like I said, I don't know if you know this, they're students too. Like they said at the beginning, they're studying international relations and they have an exam tomorrow. So we will be praying with and for you. We feel that pain. Um, and thank you for taking the time to share such an incredible story. Uh, students, we're asking you to consider this as um, encouragement, also challenge, inspiration. We hope that you'll continue to think about it. Um, their book is really wonderful. You can hear more of their testimony. You can see the map of Tehran. Um, and what I also love about the book is you get, you hear the voices of their friends in prison, these incredible women that they interacted with, and you really do give them a wonderful voice. So the book's going to be on sale at the back of the chapel. So consider that they'll be at the table for a while. They'll also be at a talkback session. So if you'd like to come meet them um, from 11.30 to 12 in the Piazza Terrace, they're going to be there and they've graciously agreed to answer questions and to meet you, which is such a privilege. So um, we're going to end with a benediction from Isaiah, um, Isaiah 43, which um, is in the context of persecution. Um, so that'll be how we end and then you can go out. Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. 
When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up and the flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Go with God into the rest of your day and your week. Thank you.